0: Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. The Magic, Magic, the Magic, magical... Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Jens Land Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland and welcome to the show. I set myself a goal for 2021 to empower 1 million people to innovate. So this podcast is one of the many activities on that journey. If you're interested to follow me and be part of that journey where I share what's going on, please follow me on social media. But even more important, today I have a guest with me, someone who is a very very young entrepreneur from south africa a marketer a podcaster, a blogger and an amazing innovator and he's a co-founder of a reverse mentorship business i'm involved which is called the xyz playground which which we basically openly published today and it's still in the baby shoes but we are on the way to change the world so please welcome with me joshua N- natal hello joshua welcome to the show Jens, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm good, thank you.
1: So, tell us a bit Great. about yourself. Yeah, well, that's quite that's quite the introduction. <laughs> yeah, that's quite the introduction that you gave me there. I feel um, it's it's the longest title that I've definitely ever been introduced to. It. So, yeah, cool. So, yeah, maybe a, b- a bit about myself quickly. So, as Jens mentioned, I'm a young young thinker. It's quite a task when someone asks me to introduce myself and to put a name and the title behind myself. So. Firstly, maybe let's start off. I, I'm based in South Africa. I'm a young mind. I've worked and had the opportunity to work with some phenomenal businesses, both in the startup and established B2B space, covering from short term insurance, working with brands like Club Med, and even far out brands like the Global Youth Choir, who were on America's Got Talent last year and a phenomenal South African act. And then also talking from that, I've got a passion for data and analytics. And the passion really stems from wanting to make better decisions and how can we use data to drive better decision-making. And so with that long-winded introduction, and just to maybe round out, I've never had a business card. I don't like titles, although I do find in certain environments, it's important to have a business title. But that's something that I'm consciously working towards and also discovering as we go along the way. But if someone were to ask me to define myself, I'd refer to myself really as a digital thinker who's fascinated by people, data, and the digital environment that we find ourselves.
0: So how do you connect the dots in your life? (laughs) Yeah, so I think that that's an
1: interesting question, Jens. And first of all, maybe where we can start is, is thinking about connectivity. And one of the businesses that I'm involved in is very much focused around sustainability. And where my mind's been running really over the past sort of 36 months, but probably a bit longer if I look back on it, is about sustainability and often I think when we think about sustainability we think about it purely through the lens of climate change and global warming and you know glaciers melting and global temperatures changing and wildfires and things like that but I took it a step further and and where I really like to think about it through is sustainable business practices and sustainable ways of living and thinking about that how we can then use business to drive change. So that's really where I start thinking about connecting the dots and seeing it as not so much a separate or isolated system, but really about an all interconnected way that we can approach the world through and a sustainable way that we can look to move forward. So where do I start? The one thing that I really started, and it's it's fortunate that I've had a, a mentor who's helped me, helped me with this, but it's really about people. It's identifying people who you think that you can work with, and that will also challenge you. So people who are different to you, And really just throwing yourself into the deep end. But first and foremost, connecting with people.
0: How does your life look like as a private person if we go out of all the business fun stuff? So what what are you doing when when you're not working? (laughs) A lot of people question, Josh, you work seven days a week.
1: And the answer is I don't only work seven days a week. It's because I enjoy it. I really enjoy connecting and thinking about different things continuously. But to maybe first off to start with a saying is, Life equals work equals life. And I'm a firm believer that everything is intertwined and that you can learn continuously in all of your different environments. But maybe just quickly on a personal front, I'm an avid adventurer. I enjoy my time outdoors. I grew up in kwazulu Natal, which is a province in South Africa. Spent a lot of time fly fishing and outdoors, riding mountain bikes, time in the forest and things like that. So I still like to carry that on when I get the time now. And then, yeah, I've, I've also got a passion for mountain biking and trail running and i'm I'm looking to start surfing again in 2021 after
0: having two knee operations over the last five years so yeah looking forward to it amazing so i mentioned in the introduction that, that you are blogging a little bit so what are the topics you're blogging about what is in your mind on when you shoot things out yeah so i think where where the the writing really started for me and
1: it's something that's developed over time and it started sort of writing about contemporary issues and by contemporary, I just mean things that I was dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And I thought something that writing helps me with certainly is distilling these ideas and things that are running around in my head. And I was writing them down in a, in a private setting. And then started about three, four years ago, I started reading Seth Godin's blog and how he was putting ideas out into the world and encouraging people to write. And I thought if it's helping me so much to distill them and I have a channel or an opportunity to put it out into the world, maybe it can help some other people. And I think that's something that's really taught me a lot in terms of putting things out into the world and just seeing how they're consumed. But with regards to the ideas and where that all started, it sort of started from things that I was reading and then wanting to interpret them in my own understanding and how we can then, there's so much information out there in the world and how can we distill or take nuggets of concepts that other people are putting out there and then put them into real life context that we are on our own and it's something that yeah you know we i'm sure we might touch on it later but the information age we've got so much information running around how can we distill that and put it down into something that makes a bit of sense at least or that that i think
0: yeah what was your most successful blog post in a way of that you define what success means for you Interesting question. So I think maybe let's start
1: with what what does success mean? And success for me is I, th- I think about it on, on different levels. And it's obviously very context based. And I'm going to re- reference a, a recent piece that I wrote about collective will and trust. And it's something that obviously talks to the year that we've had in 2020. And it's something that it took me a bit of time to write and to distill the words to put it together. But the success from that piece is that it was it was almost widely read in the sense that it was read by people across the globe. And one of the fortunate things that we've got access to is is Medium. And Medium is a phenomenal tool. If you haven't checked it out, I would strongly advise you to do that. But essentially, that allows you to connect with writers, with individuals right around the globe. And so success for me in that is one was being able to distill and to transcribe some of the ideas and thoughts that I've been having about Collective World because 2020 has been such a formative year right around the Mm -hmm. world, I think, in terms of what the future looks like and what we've recognize that we've done wrong up until this point and that won't take us forward into the future and then the second element of success was just the way that it was distributed and that for me was just the success to show that what medium is creating is essentially creating a global platform that can share information around the world and be consumed by multitude
0: of individuals in in different countries and different scenarios yeah it's interesting how fast word goes out and when you have published something then seeing the reactions I still prototype that every day, as you know. It's interesting to see. So moving more towards an entrepreneur perspective again. So how do you see the world as a young entrepreneur? And maybe we start with a more South African understanding and then maybe a global understanding.
1: Cool. So yeah, from a South African perspective, I think something that I certainly grappled with was what is the difference between a freelancer and an entrepreneur? And being a freelancer is the standard definition of a freelancer, just meaning that you are going and putting your consulting shoes on and going and working with someone. Whereas an entrepreneur is sort of you taking the formative steps to go and grow a business or grow and drive specific change and not saying that you can't do that inside a freelancer thing. And so I think, at least from a South African perspective, I think that a lot of people might think that they're entrepreneurs. Meanwhile, they are rather freelancers. And I think that it's important for us to recognize that, in my opinion, at least, I think you need to be a freelancer for a certain amount of time to really move forward to that entrepreneurship stage, because I think that there are a lot of lessons that you can learn in being a freelancer. And there's also a limited or not a limited, but lesser risk being a freelancer as rather going out and being a straight entrepreneur. From an entrepreneur lens in South Africa, I think one of the biggest things that that we maybe struggle with here is just the access to financing. And it's something that is maybe different from a global perspective in terms of if you're going and looking out to raise on the back of an idea. And so there there are challenges like that. But I don't think that it should stop anyone in in this country in particular in terms of doing that because there are a lot of problems that need to be addressed. I think one of the, the biggest things that I've articulated with a few people is just around the support that entrepreneurs need. And I think in a South African context, that specifically can come from big business. And sort of how do, you, how do you create a space that big business can support small business? And by small business, I sort of mean entrepreneurs that are starting out and wanting to address real problems. And the reason I think big business can become involved is because of the access to capital to allow an entrepreneur to go and, go and drive those ideas. But I also think that, and it's my, maybe something that we'll touch on a bit later around the reverse mentor model is how can big business sort of learn from small business and use those ideas and those structures and systems that entrepreneurs are bringing to the fore to overall improve the big business trajectory and service that they are providing in the country as a whole. And then mm-hmm. I think lastly, from an entrepreneurship perspective and something that I'd like to encourage all young South Africans to consider if you do have an urge to become an entrepreneur is to really focus on The informal sector of South Africa and something that people refer to as the informal economy. And Gigi Alcock has a book called Casinomics, in which he refers to and he just says that 90% of South Africans are not aware of the informal economy and how that is all intertwined and there's a massive business model and it's informal in nature, but there's vast opportunity inside that space. And I think sometimes as as entrepreneurs, we become too siloed in our thinking. So I'd encourage us to think broader and to be bold in the problems that we wish to address
0: can you explain a little bit the informal economy for others yeah. who, who so, have no idea yeah, about yeah it?
1: sure
0: yeah so the informal economy is essentially it's
1: the easiest way to describe it would be a cash-centered economy where you're not working with something that is extremely digitized so in south africa we've got the taxi industry which is basically the transport for the majority of the south africans that live in this country and Something that, that is then built off is, with it being cash-based, it's not regulated, but it still forms a massive need in South Africa, and it also forms a mass employment opportunity for people. And so a simple example would be you've got all of these taxis who are fulfilling a transport need, and that is all serviced by a cash system. So you can take 10 rand to get from A to – or you pay 10 rand, so $1 to get from A to B and move move around that. Then from that is you've also got all of these people and – refer to them as informal traders and they'll go and set up a trading store and by trading store i simply mean the sale of food items or drink items that are then placed next to a taxi rank and the taxi rank is that central distribution point for the transport and they'll then go and sell all of all of their goods inside of that and that's something that maybe as south africans and you know middle to upper end class south africans we are not necessarily aware of but there are real problems inside of that and from that then you start thinking about distribution routes, supply chains, all of that side of things. And it's an entire economy that sort of runs and has a major part to play in this country's GDP and things like that. But it's not necessarily
0: recognized by regulation and things like that. Yeah, Interesting. Going back to my initial question, so you gave an understanding of the entrepreneurial part of South Africa. How do you see that as a young entrepreneur? How do you see the global market? How do you see the global world?
1: So it's something that that this year has got my head turning a bit on. And one is because I think globally, I think that we have recognized in 2020 that we are far more interconnected than we initially thought we were. And I mean, if you look, Jens, how we met, it's definitely shown me that the speed to market in a global sense can be achieved through digital means. And that's something that's excited me. But globally, I think, you know, and I'll try and answer this as best I can because I haven't had any direct global experience yet in terms of growing businesses or sharing ideas globally. But from my understanding and having interacted with a few people abroad is that it is the opportunities and the ideas to th- or the space to think bigger is at a more advanced stage than it is in South Africa. I think yeah. in South Africa we because of society and they might be, and maybe it's our education system, but we've sort of pushed into certain boxes. Whereas in a broader global sense, you're encouraged and there are there's spaces and accelerators and things and people that will allow you to think bigger and to push your own thinking. And so that's where my head is at. And from the, like I said, the conversations and the research that I've done in terms of doing that. And yeah, I hope to one day experience it directly on a, on a global stage so that we can, we can test some of those assumptions and see if they are as, as true as, as one
0: thinks they are. I guess that will happen fairly quickly. <laughs> let's say yeah, well, early let's, um, two, 2021, at least. That's the yeah, goal. Early
1: 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. And, and I think, you know, just lastly on, on that point, Jens. I think something that, and maybe it's a mindset. In terms of really where our country as South Africa has come from, but also where young people ascribe to be. And I think there's that whole notion of, do you want to be an entrepreneur? And a lot of people, or a freelancer, or just work for yourself. A lot of people, I don't necessarily think, understand what it takes and the sacrifices that it takes. But I think in a global sense, it's maybe more accepted and more advanced, like I mentioned earlier, in
0: terms of that thinking. Yeah. So I would like to move now from an entrepreneur perspective to the innovation perspective how do you connect the dots of innovation so i like to think about it in terms of reading and
1: sharing and sort of bridging my mind as wide as possible and not reading or focusing into one specific area so a practical example like i mentioned earlier something that fascinates me is sustainability and that's maybe some, because i've I studied environmental science at university but sustainability really fascinates me then sort of how do you bridge sustainability with cyber criminals and cyber security and I worked earlier in the year with a cyber security firm and sort of some of that thinking in terms of understanding different ideas that might not first make sense inside a certain scenario but pushing yourself to think differently about them so Mm. the first space is is really just to read and consume as broadly as possible then connecting the dots is I keep having to remind myself how fortunate we are and I, I sort of think back to generations before us in terms of how did people learn from one another And what I mean by that is we've got a phenomenal opportunity and we've got the internet at our fingertips and we have the ability to learn and connect with those around the world. Phenomenal thinkers that I may never meet in person, but through Mm. podcast mediums, through books, through blogs, and even through long form videos, you know, we've got the opportunity to learn from these people. So again, it's being conscious about what content you're consuming, but also just looking broadly in terms of what you can consume and then bringing that back into a scenario and applying it and really pushing yourself to connect with ideas that at a first glance you might think they are outlandishly or yeah they have nothing to do with the current space that you're playing in but you take a step back and you think through it a bit more and they do tend to or sort of you force it to make sense and you learn along the way and and consciously learn through that.
0: Innovation is as well a lot connected to failing fast and all these buzzwords, but Taking that more to a personal level for you, where do you struggle most with when it comes to innovation right now? Yeah, so maybe
1: just to lead into this is sort of a story and it's a couple of years back and, and one of the first roles that I played and had a, I worked with a company called Easy Equities, which is a DIY investment platform here in South Africa and now is a global presence. But mm. inside that space, I was afforded the opportunity to really learn by doing. And I'm, I'm someone certainly that, that really enjoys that, but you don't get that opportunity in every company or space that you work with. And inside that space, one of the challenges that I was afforded was I got asked to build out some of the gamification thinking for the platform and how do we then take that up a level. And something that where that was extremely formative in my own thinking and where, where it helped me today is just around the ability to think through an entire system And that's something that has helped me. That now links into your question, Jens, of what I struggle with today. One of the things that I I struggle with is, is about putting people into the system, because I think it is extremely easy to build technology and to build products at an incredible rate, but where and how do they best serve people's interests? And are they built in an ethical way? And are they built with, again, that word sustainability, a sustainable outcome? That in 5 to 10 years, they are still fulfilling that need that people have. And can they change with the way people's needs and the world changes around us? And I think that that's something for me that I grapple with a lot because it's very easy mm-hmm. to throw technology at, at a problem and come out with a solution. But does, is that solution, one, sustainable, two, ethical? And three, will it solve that person's direct need, or is it just a short-term problem that you're solving, which puts you in a bigger problem in a longer-term setting?
0: Yeah, very interesting perspective. So if we use that and, and now bridging it to your reverse mentorship business, how do you use that way of thinking in the reverse mentorship?
1: Yeah, so I think reverse mentorship is an, an interesting concept. And I mean, when we were starting on this journey, I remember asking, I said, what, what are some of the things that I could read and to get my head around? And you very quickly came back to me and said, the best way is to learn by doing what you're doing. And I think that that is very good advice. And where that bridge sort of comes together is just around saying, and I'll use the, the term low tech in this instance. And low tech for those who don't know is tech refers to traditional ecological knowledge. And it's essentially a different way of thinking where societies around the world that have lived for thousands of years and they've sort of worked very closely with the environment. And that's where the term ecological comes in and how they work with the environment to build art and to live sustainably. And so where this sort of allows me to think in the reverse mental model is really just around connecting with people, one. And two is understanding the core use Or systems that they're use of technology to achieve the systems that they're wanting to build, and from there it allows them obviously to use phrases like design thinking, systems thinking, and working with that. But it really comes back to understanding people and wanting to understand people, to listen to people, and also by listening to people to be able to solve their problems better. And I think
0: that that's sort of where that bridge comes into play inside the reverse mentor space. Yeah. Before everyone is googling reverse mentorship, listening to the, <laughs> to this call, how do you define a reverse mentorship for yourself?
1: So reverse mentorship, and I think we'll try and link it to the XYZ playgrounds vision and mission. But it's essentially leaders of today learning from leaders of tomorrow, and what we mean by that, it, it is, and I'll rightly said, is a broad statement that. And so I think we'll, we'll try and get a bit more granular in terms of how we define that, but essentially. It's allowing and affording leaders of today, whether it be executives, entrepreneurs, young startup founders, who are wanting a different perspective on things and a different way of thinking about things. And so if I could try and distill it into a sentence, it's essentially affording people the opportunity to engage with others around the world in a bi-directional conversational manner that allows them to start solving some of the problems and challenges that they are facing with in a playground setting. And the reason we've worked with the word playground is because we really want to create a safe space that people can come and engage with others around to work through those problems and also just to maybe share ideas around what they think the future
0: looks like. Yeah. So imagine I'm an executive of a large company and like I have a lot of problems and I would reach out to you guys. How would that look like? So what would I get out of that? So yeah, and I guess this
1: is now coming down to the nuts and bolts of it. And I think where that sort of relationship would start or partnership rather would start is around the initial interaction and how we sort of structured some of that thinking is creating a space, touch point as a starting point that people can reach out to us and engage with from that. And from that initial session, we'd sort of ask questions that can be used to interpret some of the problems or challenges that the executive may be facing. And then from there, we'd sort of engage further down and find the best road or roadmap, rather, that we can navigate with that person going forward. And to, you know, to use a practical example, and maybe something that we've chatted about before at least at least ends is just around understanding what people are actually wanting out of this interaction, and how do you distill that from them? And our first and foremost, it might also be worthwhile to understand what the executive thinks reverse mentorship is, and mm-hmm. how they would like to engage with that group of people. And then I think. One other thing is building on that is, you know, we also have the view and the mindset it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all interaction. It's really personalized and it's really focused on that specific use case that we would be working with, with that individual, that senior executive.
0: Yeah. What are your main assumptions when it comes to like fears of the executives in getting into an engagement with young entrepreneurs and young leaders? So I think that some of those
1: assumptions, and maybe we'll start with future-proofing. And what does the word future-proofing mean when someone says that inside an organization? And I think one of the biggest assumptions that we are working with inside this reverse mental model is to help people navigate the future better. And we're assuming that people are wanting to do that. And the reason we're saying that is because, you know, 47% of the world's population is of a phenomenally young age. And I can't remember the exact statistic offhand, but I know that Gen Z occupies a phenomenal amount of the world's population. And so it's how do we build better for that generation? Another assumption that we're really working towards is, is around thinking and that we we assuming that the, the senior executives that we are engaging with are open to a different way of thinking and are also open to being pushed and to use their knowledge in a different light or different channel of thought to grow their business or to create a product that is
0: better suited to what the future world looks like. So if if we zoom out again, what do you think will be the biggest benefit for an executive or someone who wants to engage with you and your group of young leaders? So I think it's difficult
1: to put it down to one advantage, yeah. but I'll do my best. And so I think what we'll settle on is we are affording and giving executives the ability to engage with a group of young thinkers around different ideas that are personalized to their specific needs and challenges that they are facing. And what I mean by that is that we are really affording them the opportunity and time to have these discussions, which in a formal setting, they might not have a team internally that can do that. And also the speed that we can move at with being a group of young individuals with a diverse background as well, is that we can bring multiple views to the table inside a short space of time to help them move forward and to make
0: real change inside the business. Yeah. If we reverse that. So, like, there are a lot of young entrepreneurs and young mind of thinkers who might be interested in joining this way of thinking, joining something like this. What would be in it for them to like help a group like you guys and help leaders, executives from today? Yeah. So I think that that's a great way and a great transition in terms of where
1: we think this vision can go. And I think coming back to it, you know. What can leaders of today learn from leaders of tomorrow? And by saying that we're a group of roughly 10 people, we're not saying that we have all the answers and we'd love to learn from others. And so I think where we're going with this is that we're wanting to create sort of a platform, a platform around a playground that will allow people to share ideas, to connect with one another around the world and also to inspire action. Because I think that... It's great that we share ideas and things like that, but execution is ultimately the end goal. And that that's, Jens, it's something that you mentioned way back in terms of business is one of the best tools to drive real change. And so having said all of that, I think how other people can engage with us, we'll have our website, xyzplayground.com up and running soon. So feel free to reach out. And I think that one of the biggest things that I and a lot of others in the group are passionate about is just connecting with others. So let's connect and then see what we can do around this platform to share some of the insights that we have, but also to connect with others around the world. Because like I mentioned earlier, the world is far more interconnected now than I think that we once thought.
0: Yeah. If we now even further zoom out from a world perspective, what do you think is kind of working what's not working in today's society? So I think one of the biggest things that isn't working
1: is the way that we've been forced on a worldview that is very siloed. And so you've sort of created an environment where everyone is just looking one step in front of another and not looking out or zooming out at the bigger picture. And that for me has produced a lot of the world's problems. And I can't quite exactly put my finger on it. I think there are a number of things that would have caused that, but you know, you can start talking about nationalism and, patriotic governments and things like that and you know democratic versus communist systems and all of those types of things but I think that you know fundamentally that really comes down or is seated in the education system that is rolled out around the world and in different countries and so that for me is one of the biggest things is where people are thinking in silos and not thinking and I guess connecting them with others around the world and maybe we as a generation are more aware of that because we've got the internet at our fingertips like I mentioned earlier. But that is one of the things that I think is quite concerning in terms of where we find ourselves today. And anyway, I think where things are going and what's exciting about the world and what I think that we're doing right is that we're starting to use technology to solve real problems. But at the same time, I think that we must be careful not to exploit technology and just throw technology at problems for technology's sake. And one of the things that really excites me about what we're doing right is that we are democratizing access. And through democratizing access, you're allowing people to change their livelihoods that they are in. You're allowing them to have access to things that they might not have had access to. And that is all enabled by connectivity and the internet and things like that. And then maybe some, lastly, what one of the things that I think that we are doing right is that we're starting to shift our lens of sustainability. And what I mean by that is if you look at the, the number of people that are now aware of circular economy, and Jens, you would have been aware of this ahead of many other people i think in the world but the circular economy is a concept that i think is is starting to drive real narrative and real change and if you look at some of the work that the Ellen macarthur foundation is doing and and creating a global conversation about that i think that we are in the right direction towards driving real change and envisaging a system
0: and a future that is far better than the one that we are in currently yeah now 100 agree for me what is really and to the point you mentioned for me it's really we need to have more businesses driving into that direction, not just organizations who are working with the good course. I think it's like businesses who need to speak the language and, and walk the talk, not just talking the talk. That's where I see it's like there's a lot of things missing still. That's why I set yeah. myself as well out to like, help people to innovate going forward. So if you would have the chance that you could produce one blog post that everyone in the whole world Could and would read. What would you write about and why? Saving the difficult questions for last.
1: (laughs) I joked before we got on the call with Jens that I said, I'm sure that he's going to catch me off guard with one of these questions. And this is definitely one of them. So I think Jens is, I would like to create a, a narrative that talks about the future and asks us to think of a future that we would like to build and that we would like to live in. And for those people who like art, you might be familiar with Dustin Yellen. And he created a book titled Building Better Realities in April of this year. And he used different stories and tales from artists around the, and creators around the world. So the blog post that I would, would like to write is about imagining and building a better future. And I think that why I would like to write it is because I think sometimes we don't think far enough ahead. We're so focused on the here and the now and that we do damage to future generations to come. And in saying that, it encourages us to think bigger, to think broader, and to think in an interconnected way. Because while we say that we value people, we have to take that and build those realities. So that is a long way of saying it's encouraging us to think longer and to think more about people and to also challenge ourselves to imagine that reality that we want to live in. Because in creating that imagination and in creating that space, we will then find the way to build that reality for ourselves
0: yeah good one slowly getting to an end and i've always won if you have watched the other videos or listened to the podcast explain the pig and i have i've searched in your instagram account and found a photo from it's from 2014 where you're riding a mountain bike somewhere in i don't know where it is like looks awesome and you you've wrote that it's like throwback to last saturday work in progress Tell us the story. What is behind that, if you recognize the, the photo? Yeah, no, I do. So I used to play
1: hockey and field hockey in school. So I spent a lot of time on an astroturf and right away school. And it's maybe something that's created a determination in me in terms of wanting and always pushing the boundaries to be and do better. And anyway, so in 2010, I dislocated my right knee playing hockey. I got soccer tackled on the hockey field and I had a a knee operation. I played through it and, you know, had had way too many anti-inflammatories to remember, but played through it, had a knee operation in 2012 and then sort of came out of that, played hockey for another year in 2013. 2014, I picked up running and I used to live in Cape Town in South Africa at the time. I was studying at the University of Cape Town. And I picked up trail running and I did a bit too much running too quickly. And so I developed stress fractures in both of my shins. And for those who who know me and and listen to this, that won't surprise them. Anyway, so I picked up stress fractures in my shins and then a, a very good mate of mine who is a mountain bike and he actually got me into the sport. He said, pick up a mountain bike and let's start. And that's where that photo really came from. It was very much a work in progress. And fast forward two to three years past that I was training in the early hours of the morning before work in Johannesburg in South Africa. And so that's where that photo comes from. And it was racing in Constantia in Cape Town.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm also going into mountain bike, as I said before. It's like getting a bit healthier again. So looking into the future, where will you be in a year from now? And what happened? (laughs) A year from now, future thinking.
1: So I think that for me, what would a year from now look like? I think that I'm hoping that we would be in a space that we've got some form of vaccine for the virus or the pandemic rather that we're dealing with now, and that we are able to sort of start opening up the world again, because I think that that will enable us to recognize the connectivity and not just merely talk about it the way that we've spoken about it now. So I think that that's a big part of where I hope that we'll be in from from a global perspective. Then building off that, I think that I would like to have had some international experience in a year's time from now, whether that be spending time working remotely overseas or working with a business or a group of entrepreneurs in an international location. And the reason for that is purely just from a thinking perspective. I think that we can learn a lot by putting ourselves in different environments and things like that. And then, yeah, I think from a sustainability perspective, I really hope that that is recognized and is accelerated on a global standpoint. And not only just from a climate change perspective, but from the way that we do business. And I think that that would allow us to move better in terms of and put the foundation in place for moving things forward. And then I think it would be remiss of me not to mention the XYZ playground. I think that in a year from now, I think that and I hope that we've managed to connect the dots or to connect some of the dots rather and put that on a global stage so that we are sharing our thinking and also inspiring others to do some of that thinking by themselves. Because one of the things that as a, as a collective we've spoken about is how can we carry on the work that we have put in place when we are no longer there? And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that everyone faces when they're wanting to drive real change is how can you create that mindset and inspire it in others? And Simon Sinek has a great quote about behavior, but I'm, I'll let you go and search that on Google. I won't give it away for you so you can go and search that and see what he has to say because he's a great thinker. And then, yeah, I think lastly, from a year's perspective, I think that something that this year has definitely taught me is how quickly time moves. And I think that I would like to have used the time wisely, connected with the right people, and done some work to move things forward because you don't drive change over a 12-month period. So I think it's, if I can sum it up maybe in in a few words, it's foundational, educational, and interesting because if I can tick those boxes, I know that I will certainly be in a better place and I hope the world will be as well. nice so where can people find you and reach out to you yeah so you can find me on linkedin facebook instagram social media channels etc one of the mediums that i enjoy the best is twitter it's really i I use it use it on a daily basis it's a phenomenal news source so my handles at josh Nuttall. so j-o-s-h-n-u-t-t-a-l-l but then yeah if you connect with me on linkedin you'll find me I, i refer to myself as a digital thinker like i said so that's no formal titles, but that's probably the
0: best places to find me. Yeah, and you need to teach me the whole Twitter thing. I'm so bad in that part. We're getting there. Cool. Thank you very yeah. much for being on the show, Joshua. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thanks so much for having me. Thank you
1: for the challenge that you've taken up personally to connect entrepreneurs around the world and the platform that you're creating to enable that because I think it's something that we need more of in the world. We need more people who are as inspiring and aspirant as you are
0: in terms of driving change and look forward to what lies ahead. Thank you. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.